Well, good evening. It is, uh, hey, that was nice. Uh, it is good to be with you all here tonight. Uh, so thankful for everyone's attendance as we continue our second week of the summer series uh, going through June. Uh, we had a great week last week, I thought, a wonderful introduction. I'm excited about uh, continuing on tonight. We're excited to have Lee Brown with us from the uh, Alcoa Church of Christ. And uh, I'll introduce him more at the, uh, at the appropriate time, but I am very excited to have him here with us tonight. I want to introduce our speaker uh, before he gets up here. Uh, Lee Brown is a native of Monroeville, Alabama, before he moved with his family to Louisiana. And that's where he graduated high school, and that's where uh, he uh, went to Grambling State University, where he uh, graduated in 1995. And uh, probably his best accomplishment there is that's where he met his wife, uh, Monica. Uh, they've been married for 28 years. Uh, they currently live in Knoxville, Tennessee. They have three children and two grandsons. Uh, Lee is a full-time employee with Denso Manufacturing, but he's also someone who has dedicated his life to the ministry and service of the church. Um, he has volunteered and served in just about every capacity for church work that you can think of. Uh, he has uh, constantly been willing to uh, step up whenever there was a need. Uh, he has worked as the education coordinator in 2016 East Tennessee Youth Conference, a deacon at McDonald uh, Drive. Um, he's been a youth teacher. He's been in bus ministry, and uh, he's been a member of the church for over 44 years, serving uh, in all of those, in many different capacities. Since 2010, he's been the minister for the Alcoa Church of Christ. He is someone who is ready and willing to do the work of the Lord, uh, no matter what that work is, and I think we're very privileged to have him here with us. Uh, he's someone who has dedicated his life to the Lord, who not only is... Uh, an excellent speaker and, and someone who um, is faithful in his ministry, but he's someone who is faithful in his commitment to the Lord as well. So I'm excited to have him here and learn from him. Good evening to everyone once again. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here tonight. I, I say again that uh, I remember uh, having a conversation and, uh, and, and I, I, I told my wife we was going on vacation on last week when I got the phone call, as a reminder, we were uh, in Florida. <laughs> and he said, are you going to be ready? I said, uh, yes, I'll be there. And he said, uh, well, you on vacation? I said, I'll be there. I said, just send me the, a text message uh, with the information, and I'll be there. So by the grace of God, I'm thankful to be here this evening. And God has blessed me, and he's brought me a mighty long ways. He read in the bio, uh, uh, y'all disregard that 44 years. I mean, I'm not that old yet. <laughs> no, I really am. I, I'm that and some. But I thank God for those years, and I thank him for uh, holding me and keeping me and allowing me to continue this walk with him. And as I walk with God, and God is in me and moving through me and using me as a vessel— I pray that this evening that as the words that I have uh, here on these pages uh, are lifted off and brought to you and get an understanding uh, of how it is and what we need to do to walk with God. If we are here this evening and, and you have with you a copy of your Bibles, and I'm going to give you... Uh, just a quick reading of the verse for the evening. 
But then, you know, as we read the verse for this evening, I know you all have uh, already read it, but I, I want to read it again for emphasis' sake. Uh, a Bible uh, verse for the evening was Colossians 2 and 6. There the Bible says, As ye have therefore received Jesus uh, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now, when we read that and we hear those verses and we began to, and, I, and they told you I'll walk around, so you all have to forgive that. Uh, and when you hear these verses, and I'm glad they gave me a mic, uh, and I am loud. If I'm too loud, uh, y'all just cover your ear up a little bit, and then that'll let me know to talk a little bit, loft, a little bit softer. So I, I, I don't want to blast anybody out. Uh, so uh, uh, as, as, as you read those verses and they began to, to sink into your mind and you began to wonder and you're thinking, uh, how is my walk with God? Where do I stand as I walk with God? Am I, am I in the, the right stride? Am I moving in the right direction? Am I understanding God's Word? Well, you know, sometimes as we read the Bible, we don't want to develop our own understanding, but we want to get a clear understanding. And when we get a clearer understanding, it gives us the ability to move forward better with Christ. And what better way to move forward but to understand what came before what the apostle was writing as he wrote to the church there in Colossae. We go back and back up a couple of verses here. Back up to verse uh, 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 five. And we're going to read that verse. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. You know, we go back a little bit further and we look at the, one of the other verses of verse number four. Colossians 2 and 4 says, And this I say, least any man should beguile you with enticing words. And as I looked at that verse, I'm, I'm going on down and I'm starting the word beguile, which means misled, deluded, deceived, cheated, seduced, led astray. Can a Christian be led astray? Can a Christian be beguiled and they're reading from God's own word? Can they? Church, we got to answer some tonight. Sometimes as we are in the world and we're living in the world, we're not part of the world, but sometimes we are led astray simply by listening to what someone else is saying and turning our ears away from God's own word. We have the word. We are trying to live the word, but we are led astray simply by somebody saying, a little bit of sway, a little bit of this. No, well, you know, let's get a better understanding. Well, if you're going to give me a better understanding, show me where it says it in the B-I-B-L-E first. History is one thing, but the Bible is above all things. When the Bible was written for our learning, that is what we need to be learning from. 
not allowing the world to confuse us or take over what we already know. See, the world has its own culture. The world's culture should not be the culture that influenced Christian people. As Christians, we ought to be influenced by Christian people. We should be influenced by those that are living God's word. See, I can tell you one thing about living God's word and then go and do another. I'm not living God's word. I have to be doing as well as I'm saying. If I say to you, I drink a cup of coffee in the morning. How many of us drink a cup of coffee in the morning? You live by that coffee. Amen to somebody. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, if you don't smell that coffee, you say, it ain't time to get up. And most of the time, if that coffee is brewing and you're sleeping and it's the day, your day to sleep in, you say, I don't smell that coffee. And you move on. But if God's word is what you're supposed to live by, regardless if you want to sleep or get up, God's word is going to never stop brewing. It's going to always smell fresh. It's going to always have that savoring flavor. When we walk with God as Christians, we don't conform to the world. What is it that we allow about people to influence us to go away from God's word? How do they do it? They seek and they are enticed by their style and their personality. They beguile you with their words. Some people are so crafty with words, they'll make you believe a lie upon a lie. You know that that particular thing that was said was a lie, but they'll make you believe a lie on top of that lie. That's how crafty they are. That's what they are. They are crafty beguiled by their words. We're taken over by their words. Manipulated by appealing to the pride or by using flattery. We're going to take a moment tonight to the believers. And we need to first continue to look to Jesus. Paul also complimented them on their, uh, their disciples and, and steadfastness. But this warning continues for us today, and it needs to be heeded. God has expectation to the believers. God has expectation for each and every one of us. Those of you that are visiting, and I don't mean to overlook you, and if you're visiting, I'm going to get to you in a minute. Just stay right there in your seats. I, I'm not going to leave you out. But I have to clean up some stuff first. And I have to talk to my people that are already in Christ first. And then I'm going to get to you. Don't worry. Your time's coming. I'm not going to pass you by. Galatians 5 and 16 says, this I say. This is God's expectation. This is not Brother Brown's expectation. This is God's expectation for the believers, for the Christians. I say then in Galatians 5 and 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit 
and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5 and 25 also says, it says, if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How do you walk when you're amongst your peers? How do you walk when you're out there in the world? How do you walk? Some of us need to understand, how do we walk when we go to the grocery store? Do we behave the same? Do we hold our Christianity when we go to the grocery store? Lord have mercy let to talk about if we out there on the Alcoa Highway. <laughs> Especially when they were doing all that construction. Uh, some of y'all driving out there, I see. The Spirit of the Lord should always be with us regardless of where we are. We should not change. Your address is where you live, where you reside, and where you remain until death. Now, you can change your physical address of where your home you live in. Y'all sold your old home, bought you a bigger one. Some of you sold your old home, bigger homes, bought a smaller one. Whichever direction you went, that's a blessing from God. Stay in that realm where you're being blessed. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. If you are Christians, you need to remain where you are and never let that intact where you are change because of the venue that you are changing. What kind of walk is it if we're not walking to walk in him? A proper walk. Some folks say, I know how to walk. I said, I do too. Now, let me tell you all something about I said I know how to walk. I've had two great falls. I've torn a meniscus in the right knee and in the left knee and had surgery on both. That's my physical walk. But I got up from that and I had surgery and I'm able to walk upon this stage right here tonight. And I tell you, but in your spiritual walk, how are you walking with God? Does he recognize you? They say that the sheep are the shepherd knows his sheep. He can recognize them no matter where they are. Let's be reminded that our walk is not the proper way, meaning to walk according to our mind or our flesh. My flesh and my carnality, that pulls me away from God. I don't want to be separated from God. I want to get closer to God. The more I take and learn from his word, the closer I'm going to get to him. When I go out and I don't take and learn from God's word, I'm learning from somewhere. Someone told me a long time ago when I was back in college back there, somebody fooled me. He said, your mind never stops learning as long as you keep teaching it. Has your mind stopped learning because you said, I've learned enough. I know I've obeyed the gospel. That's all I need to do. That's why I need to stop. I've learned it. I've got it. I'm going to tell you something that the Bible says about that. It's called you a fool. 
I said, Brother Brown called me a fool. He called me a fool. No, I didn't, but the Bible calls you a fool. Never stop learning from God's Word. See, the funny thing about Christians, they have a problem with one thing and they're trying to fit in. See, that's the thing about us Christians. We are not called to fit in. We don't fit into anything. We are called out from amongst them to be different. The Bible says we are chosen, a royal priesthood. The proper way to walk takes being rooted into something, rooted in a deep, solid foundation. It takes strong, strong root system to keep your faith. Let's talk about how a tree that's planted by the waters. There, there, there's a tree, there's a, there's a verse in a song that says, just like a tree that's planted by the waters. What's the point? I shall not be moved. When you're walking with God, that's how you have to remain faithful. By planting yourself by the water. What's the water doing? That's that living stream. That's Christ Jesus. That's the foundation you ought to be built upon. It's built upon Christ. He is the living stream. He provides all the nutrients. That tree that's planted is getting all its needs from that living stream. We need to be planted by the waters so that we can take that nourishment every day. What about another visual, a building that's being erected? I've seen many things growing up here in, in Alcoa and Maribel, many buildings that are being built. You know the first thing I see them do? They come in with these big old tractors and they drag out the ground. Why are they dragging them? But they don't want to see what they're doing over there. They're piling that dirt up by the road. They're getting down to a solid foundation. <laughs> and that's what Christ, we've got to get to that solid foundation. And once we get there, we're holding on and building upon that. To be erected so that what? We won't fall. A mature Christian has built his life upon Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. There's no stronger foundation. So if you're looking for something in friends, if you're looking for something in your families, if you're looking for something outside of Christ Jesus, you're looking in the wrong direction. We need to be looking to that one who is the author and the finisher of our faith. When the clouds are rolled back, and Jesus began to descend. Are you going to look to your family and say, what do I do? You're going to be looking up at Jesus as he comes back. And you're going to be wanting to say, Father, what do I need to do? Do it now. Don't wait. Ask him what do you need to do now. Why do you still have an opportunity for that flowing breeze to flow through you and cleanse you. 
We are not all perfect. We're not all made perfect. We're not all going to be perfect, but we got to strive for perfection. Building is simply defined as the present principle, building and erecting. Once something is erected, it must be filled. If we have a building that is erected here in Maryville today, and they never put anything inside of it, 10 years from now, what would they do to that building? Condemn it and tear it down. What about your building that you said, when I became a child of God, you built it on a solid foundation, but what are you filling it with? Fill it with the right things, and you'll have a better walk with God. What's your plan? Where's your head at tonight? Where's your mind at going tomorrow? How are you going to build? You know, the thing about successful people, they always have a plan. They have a plan of how they're going to do, what they want to do, and how they're going to get to what they plan to get to. They lay it out. They write it down. And they construct it, and they go through and follow through with those plans. And if they're building and it begins to look like it's not going the way they designed, they go back to their blueprint. What is our blueprint? We have a blueprint. Where's our blueprint? It's right there in the Bible. The Bible gives us everything we need to do to remain faithful. It leaves nothing out. It helps you to, to develop. It helps you to get stronger. It helps you to be a better person. Ephesians 2 and 20 says, And are built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. What keeps it all together? 1 Peter 2 and 5 says, You also as lively stones, are built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Talk about that acceptable. What is acceptable to God? He doesn't require halfway. He requires all the way. We can't start the race and said, I've run far enough. I was in the race. He requires us to finish the race. A proper walk takes being established. The word established means firm, stable, holding fast, and not letting go. We need to be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. We need to build on the foundation and, and have a plan to do so. How can we have that plan? I'll tell you, if you go and you, you talk to your minister, you talk to the, the deacons, you talk to the elders, if you're not sure where to start, or I've started, but I've got some things confused, they will help you straighten it out. They will help you to get on the right path. Romans 16 to 25 says, now to him that is of power, 
to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the ministry, which was kept secret since the world began. We need to have ourselves organized. How can we better, be better organized? How can we have a better uh, uh, understanding of where we're going? You got to have a good map. I remember, I don't know about you all, but uh, uh, some of y'all are not old enough yet. But pre-Google, I remember when we would get ready to go somewhere. If you didn't know the way, you had to get on your home computer. I'm talking about pre-cell phones. Some of y'all still on cell phones. But if it is just had a cell phone, and you had to go and go to the computer, and you go and type in where you are, and you type in where you're going, and then they give you this map and all these directions. You print it out. And you get yourself in, and one get behind the steering wheel, and one get the navigation, and you say, okay, let's go. Where we go? Which way I go? Oh, y'all don't do that. I mean, I mean, it was just me and my wife. And then my wife would say, you took the wrong turn. I said, well, I ain't turning around. <laughs> you know, we're going to be going where we don't want to go. Well, we'll find out when we get there. So eventually I, I, I'll go far enough down and I don't know what I'm looking at. I'll say, okay, I'm going to turn around. And she'll say, I thought so. First Peter 1 and 20 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You see, when I get behind the wheel and I start to go on my own, I've already given her the directions. But yet, I'm going to go where I want to. I'm going to drive like I want to drive. You know what we do in our lives sometimes? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We make that mistake by saying, I know where I want to go. I know how I want to do it. Those are mistakes that we make throughout our Christian journey. But soon we realize that we have to correct that and go back and say, okay, <laughs> now I got to fix this. Understanding that this book is for all of us to enjoy, read, study together, and it's understandable by all. There is of no private interpretation. You don't have to have a theological degree to, to understand what the Bible is telling you. What you have to have is a human mentality that someone says, you're wrong about that. And you say, okay, show me where I'm wrong. And then whomever is telling you that you are wrong, they have to have the understanding enough and the willing enough to say, allow you the time to correct it. When we make mistakes, folks, we have to understand that, that as we go through life, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make wrong turns. But somebody has to have the patience, and I thank, thank God for my wife that, that she has the patience enough to let me drive 20 miles out of the way without saying another word. For me to say, okay, go back to those directions. I'm going to go back to where you told me that. Well, go back that way. I'll tell you how to get there from there. There's a point that we got to get to and understand. 
that if we want to go and walk with Jesus, if we want to walk with God, then we have to follow the directions. But we have to be taught to do that. We have to have some form of teachings to get that understanding. See, Ephesians 4 and 11 says, And God gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Why did he do that? See, we, we shouldn't question God of why he did something. He did it for a purpose. He did it for people like me. See, I, I'm, I'm not stop talking to you all now. I'm talking about myself. He did it for me. Because if it wasn't for God giving me all these different avenues to, of which I can learn from, to use, to change me, then I would never get it. But you know what? Even at that, when I come through that understanding, the Bible explains it even to me better. Let me tell you where it explains it. Go over to Ephesians 4 and 12. It says, for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. A proper walk takes the teaching of God's word and uses it for the better of himself and to all of those that are around him. When I began to, to, to understand and move closer to what God wants me to do and where he wants me to be instead of where I wanted to be, I began to, to, to get a clearer understanding that my way is not always going to be the right way and it may not always be the thing that God has predestined for me to do, but I have to learn that fact to be better. The proper demeanor. Not only do we have to have the proper walk, we need to have the proper demeanor and outlook uh, on the Christian life. I think there are two things in the Word of God is teaching us that, uh, here and to have the proper demeanor about. And one proper demeanor is, as Christians, we don't need to walk around with our head down. We need to have our heads up. Abounding people keep their heads up. They are encouraged about the outlook of the future. We believers need to have the greatest outlook of all, that of heaven, and a grand purpose here on earth. Abounding keeps our heads up, which is where our focus should be. Our focus should always be to move forward. Colossians 3 one and two, if ye then be risen in Christ, seek those things which are above. For Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. Keep being thankful. Being thankful unto God for all that he's blessed you with. I'm sure if, you, if I look at everyone at night, you could all say, God has truly blessed me. If you say, you look at your life, your health, your family, the friends, your loved ones, you can truly say, I'm blessed. Where am I on time? How much time am I going to? I'm good? Good. I, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, 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 the things we uh, need to, uh, to be thankful for. And Hebrews 13 and 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praises to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. 
Some folks just cannot phantom that just simply talking to God on a daily basis saying, thank you, Lord. And how much that means to God. When we can say, thank you, God, and say, not for this or that. You say, he ain't going to say, well, what are you thanking me for? You've done more than what I can imagine. Thank you, Lord. Stop sometimes in the middle of your day and just say thank you. Wives, husband, close your ears. I'm talking to all the wives in here this evening. If your husband walked in and looked you in the eyes and said, thank you, honey, and would you say for what? Or some of the wives may say, what you done now? What you done now? Come on, I know you. Husband, if your wife walked in and say, thank you, honey, would you ask her for what? You say, I know I've done everything. We have to learn how to be thankful for the people that are in front of us. We have to be thankful for the people that are beside us. Wives, husband, who else should we be thankful for? That, are, that is in our lives, our children. We need to be thankful for them. Why do we need to be thankful for them? Why do we need to say thank you to our children when they haven't done anything but messed up our rooms, <laughs> tore up our homes, left us dirty clothes to wash, dirty dishes to clean? Why should we be thankful? Because God blessed us with them. If God had not blessed us with our children, then we would not be the people who we are today. That changed most of our lives around to making us better people. To those that are non-believers, and I'm, I'm, I'm going get, to get, get, get on down here. If you are not a believer then, and you're here visiting, it was a reason that you came. It wasn't because that, 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 that member kept inviting you to come. It wasn't because that, that, that member was so grateful and, and, and so honest in their life. It was because God put something in your heart to say, there's something different about him. Or there's something different about her. There's something different about that church. Let me go and look. Let me investigate what it is that's so different. When we get to that point in life, you're already on the right track. If you're here tonight and you're visiting, the world is not going to take you in and let you suffer another day with them if you start to change your life for the better. The better we get as Christian in our Christian walk, the better we get as, as trying to learn how to get in that Christian walk, the better we began to understand that God's love is better than any love that we have in the world. And when you love that person that God has put in your life, you're loving God. When you show love to everybody that you come in contact with, guess what? You're loving God. The Bible tells us that we ought to love our neighbors as thyself. Who is thy neighbor? We're talking about the person that lived right next door to you. It's easy to love them. We're talking about the people that have just been good to you, that have done you good favor. It's easy to love them. 
Jesus came and loved everyone, regardless of whom he came in contact with. Even the day up until he was about to be persecuted. When God created the heavens and the earth and everything therein, he stopped on each day and said, it is good. Did he not enjoy what he was doing? Did he not love what he was doing? When we are going to change our lives for the better, we need to say thank you. And today is good. It has been a blessed day. Anything that is not after Christ, ultimately, anything that is apart from Christ, contradictory of the Lord is not leading us to Christ, must be done away with. I want you to just walk with him. Just walk with him, talk with him. But I want you to also do it right. If you're not doing it right, here tonight you can get it right. Those that you want to become Christian, don't let the day pass. As many have said, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow never came. Tomorrow not promised to any of us. You can say, I'm of good health right now, so I can got a week and I'll get it right tomorrow. The healthiest people that have been healthy can walk right out this door right now and depart from these words and never see the light of day. Tomorrow's not promised to you. Do it while the blood's still running warm in your veins. Get on that right track because Jesus is coming back as he said he would. We can walk in him if we choose to walk in him but it is our choice. Where are you tonight? Is your soul right with Jesus? You can get it right simply by obeying the gospel. Obedience to the gospel is the greatest form or act that you can do to get right with God. You got to hear the saving gospel. Romans 10 and 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you haven't heard it and you don't believe it in your heart and you don't make the confess that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and you can't repent of your sin, these are things we need to do to get it right. I'm not talking about coming before the church and just reporting I have sinned. Pray for me. No, we're talking about repenting. Repentance, true repentance requires a change of life, change of direction. And then don't stop. And, and once you've done those things and, and you've got tears in your eyes and because you want to say, Abba, Father, you've got to demand one more thing. I want to be baptized. I want to go down into that water. I've read the book. I understand what it is. I know what I need to do. Now I want that baptism. I want that form of doctrine that's going to save me in the end. My friends can't do it. My mom can't do it. My dad can't do it. Nobody in the world can do it, but Jesus can. It's all because of Jesus that I'm going to be saved in the end. Once you rise up out of that watery grave, and you live faithful unto death. In the end, you will hear these words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant.
And I leave that with you this evening. Change your walk. Change it while you can. And I pray that you got something from this lesson that can be enlightening unto your life and change your ways. May God be with you.